0: Welcome to On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. I'm Mark. Welcome back to my podcast. Today's podcast, we're going to be covering all things about the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games. And I'm going to lead the program off right now with some news about coaching changes and player developments all around NCAA Division I college basketball. I'm going to start off by mentioning some coaching stuff. We've got Shaka Smart, who has decided to go back to his home state and coach Marquette. I'm wondering if a private school might be more fitting for him, but uh, he also made the statement where uh, he wanted to get back to a school where basketball was the main sport. So uh, that being said, we've also got another coaching change where Fordham has hired Nova assistant Kyle Neptune as their new head coach. And then we're going to go and talk about some uh, players. The number 13 recruit in the nation, a five-star guard named Hunter Salas, has committed to the Zags. He's a McDonald's All-American, and he's ranked number three in the point guards going into uh, for his senior year this year. He's a six-five wing wingman with a 7'10 wing span. All right, last Saturday, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before our last show, Uh, It was announced that Corey Kispert of Gonzaga, Jared Butler of Baylor, Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State, A.U. DeSunmo of Illinois, and Luca Garza of Iowa have been named as the finalists for the 2021 Wooden Award. We've also got, uh, I wanted to mention this transfer thing going on and uh, talk about that for a moment Uh, A lot of schools are concerned about all these transfers going on, but what you have to understand is there's more transfers this season than there normally are because these guys transferring out will not have to sit a year out so that next year, just like a grad transfer, another regular type of transfer is going to get to play right away. The guru who we're going to have back on later on, one of his favorites, Jaden Springer of Tennessee, is declared for the NBA draft. He's ranked 27th by ESPN going into this draft. A couple, uh, couple of last things of note, some player stuff, some excitement for both myself, PBC, and the guru. First for me and the guru, Braxton Beverly of North Carolina State has announced that he is going to be a grad transfer and go to – Uh, Will and I's alma mater of Eastern Kentucky University. This makes a lot of sense as uh, Braxton was at North Carolina State. And before Coach A.W. Hamilton of EKU took the EKU job, he was an assistant at North Carolina State. So there's some uh, recruiting stuff. Obviously, the player knows the coach. The guys are going to be real excited about this, PBC. Keelan Grady one of the best guards in the Atlantic 10 a 6 foot 5 player who was a two-time second team all uh, all Atlantic 10 and a two-time first team all Atlantic 10 has committed to Kentucky he averaged 17 points 5 rebounds and over 38% from behind the arc this season he is a 2000 point scorer for Davidson and Kentucky also has another transfer in West Virginia's Oscar Shwebe, who is transferring in as well. So, PBC, if I can get you up here, I know you're a big Kentucky guy, and uh, you've been real concerned about all these one-and-dones that Cal's got. You've got two veteran players, very, very good veteran players that are now coming in uh, to Cal's program.
1: That's, uh, that's always a recipe for success. When And, and that's uh, one of the biggest things we've had was we've always had those one and dones, but we've been missing those uh, Darius Millers and those Terrence Joneses that stick around for two and three years that help those guys when they first come in so I'm when I seen this come across the screen this weekend I was like we got us a point guard and he's mature and he's ready to play so you put him around some young guys I can get some buckets and now all of a sudden you're going to be looking at a different Kentucky team those, next those year.
0: veterans are going to be able to get those younger players up to par Grady, yeah, you've got one of the best players in the Atlantic 10 coming Mm -hmm. across, as well as a stud for Bob Huggins over the last five years coming in. All right, folks. Excuse me. Time to get into a little March Madness. We're going to talk about the Sweet 16 games. I'm going to start off by talking about Gonzaga taking on Creighton. This is going to be real brief because the Zags blew out Creighton 83-65. Marcus Zigorowski led the Blue Jays with 19 points in the loss, and Denzel Mahoney con- uh, contributed with 13 points and five rebounds off the bench. It's, uh, I'll tell you what, you knew that this was a blowout because, Todd, uh, the Blue Jays played nine players off the bench That's all 14 guys got in. So it must have been bad and must have been bad early. The the, the Zags, I've noticed, are a very balanced and disciplined disciplined team. Four of their five starters had double digits besides Jalen Suggs. And Suggs, he had nine points and six assists in that game. PBC, you got anything to say about the Zags and Creighton?
1: Yeah, uh, it was actually pretty close early. And then the, uh, I don't know, man, Gonzaga has this ability to click the notch, would you say, hit the switch or whatever that is, because they just look like when they turn that switch, they're a totally different team. And it, it, they're a, a cut above everyone else if you've seen them play. I'll
0: tell you something I noticed from last night. We'll talk about last night's game in a little bit. Is it Drew Timmy, who is the 6'10 center, he, he seems to be very good at passing. He'll get that ball around the free throw line and distribute to somebody else. Uh, this is a tough team. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat. Um, you know We're going to get to the Final Four in a little bit. going to move on to the next game. Oregon State, the 12th seed, going up against Loyola. The two Cinderellas were battling it out. The first ran five minutes of the game. The Ramblers ran the pick-and-roll to Crutwig at least three times, and they were running a backdoor pass to Ahir U- Ugak, who uh, it seemed like OSU was fouling a lot early. OSU only had three points in the first nine minutes of this game, and Loyola only had nine points in the first 12.5 minutes of this game. In the first half, Ethan Thompson had 10 points on two of two three-pointers. He hit four free throws for OSU. Krutwig had six points, seven rebounds, and one assist in the half. The story of the first half was this: Loyola was had 33% field goal percentage, which isn't great. But Loyola in the first half shot 17%. That's not good. Uh, At the 15-minute mark of the second. Crutwig uh, hit Yugok with another backdoor pass. Loyola uh, was throwing up so many bricks in this game that they weren't building a house. They were building a church. And uh, if Loyola played every game that way, I could understand why Crutwig is losing his hair. So uh, that being said, free throws were the only thing keeping Loyola in the game. And uh, if any of you were missing out on buckeye's football this was the type of game for you uh it was a lot of, it was just a brutal physical game at the 10 minute mark of the second loyola hit three shots first 30 minutes loyola averaged 28% from the field and uh, that was the game between osu and loyola loyola won that one pbc anything to say on that
1: you know, uh I was waiting for uh Oregon to be bounced. Oregon State. Oregon State. I I I never thought they were that good. Uh that zone kept them uh going for a long time. I I just think that the way they ran it, it was so confusing to teams. Go I made ahead. A mistake. Yeah, I, made a I know. Mistake. I know. I know Oregon State won in Oregon Loyola. State, yes, yes. Oregon State, State, I, Oregon State won that game. I didn't put the final down. That's that all right. Down. I I knew they won that yeah, game though. State I you couldn't trip me up. <laughs> but uh they they lost the uh their their final their Elite Eight matchup, so we'll get on to that. But yeah, I, they they just never really were that team that uh impressed me. But I maybe they should have. Because the Pac-12 had a lot of teams there, and they won the Pac-12 tournament. It so. was just
0: like Guru said a couple weeks ago, man. We were we were really slipping. Like he kind of said that we we didn't we didn't save the best for last. Listen, but man, they were good.
1: They, the Guru, we weren't slipping. He said Tennessee couldn't beat them because they couldn't shoot. He didn't say anything about anybody else not being able to beat them.
0: Yeah, we were we were concerned about the uh, the Pac-12 though in general and. Pac-12 did a lot better than any of us here in the studio thought.
1: Because we're sleeping. We never get to see him.
0: Moving on. Yeah, we were sleeping, right? So uh, moving on, number five, Nova versus number one, Baylor. We were thinking that this might have been a chance for Jay Wright to expose Baylor. Um, The game started off with uh, Flo Thomba of Baylor, who uh, got the game started with a dunk a minute into uh, the game. It was back and forth for the thir- first 13 minutes. Jermaine Samuels had 11 points in the first half for Nova. The Bears had no points in the last two and a half minutes of the half while Nova rattled off five points. They were up 30 to 23 go- at the half. Flo uh, Thamba again got Baylor going with the first bucket of the second half. And uh, Samuels, he continued to be the leader for Nova. And uh, yep, he was the leader for Nova in the second half. M- MaKeo Teague, who is uh, the Asheville transfer at, for Baylor, he's a Cincinnati native. He tied the game at 39 with just under 12 minutes to play. Jared Butler took the game, uh, took the lead with at 43-41, and Baylor never looked back. Baylor won this game, 62-51. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, 8 points, 12 rebounds. Jermaine Samuels, 16 points, 4 rebounds. Justin Moore, who came back after being out for the Big Ten tournament, 15 points and 5 rebounds in the losing effort for Nova. Davion Mitchell had 14 points, and Adam Flagler led the Baylor Bears off the bench with 16 points in this game. Your turn. You got anything to say about Nova and Baylor, sir?
1: Um, I do. I didn't um, catch all of this game, but what I do remember seeing is that uh, Nova stunk it up in the second half. I think they scored twenty something points in the twenty-one. S- Thank you. 21 stunk it up in the second half. That's exactly what I remember from this game. Uh, Nova uh, Baylor stepping it up on defense. I don't know either way. Um, I was off in and out, but I just remember sitting down and watching spurts and Nova not being able to score at all. It was a very uh, sleepy, sleepy game.
0: Moving on. Cinderella was still alive in this weekend as number 15 Oral Roberts, the PBC's uh, Cinderella team, took on uh, my my Arkansas Razorbacks, a 15-versus-two seed matchup. Jalen Tate had seven of the Hogs' first 15 points. Ten minutes in, he had 10 points. Carlos Jurgens of ORU had seven of ORU's first 19 points. He had 11 points in the half. Abram, uh, Abmus, the big star that uh, the guys have been talking about for ORU, he had 12 points in the half. Tate was guarding Abmus for most of the first half, and Abmus was very good at moving towards the basket stopping and getting Tate to make contact with him. Jalen got into foul trouble late in the first half and was taken out with two minutes to play. That being said, I'll let you know that Jalen Tate played 38 minutes. So that means he played the entire second half. He came in with three fouls in that second half and only fouled one more time during that game. It was low scoring but lightning fast in the first half. ORU was 6 of 17 from three-point range in the first half. The Hogs, not very good from behind the arc, 3 of 7 from three-point range in the first half. Under 13, Hogs. under thir- The Hogs cut the lead to three under 13 minutes. O-R-U, ORU got the ball into the playmakers' hands, but it wasn't enough. Jalen took over, and uh, basically the... Uh, Razorbacks took control of that game from there on out. Tate was the leading scorer for the Hogs with 22 points. He had uh, an absolutely fabulous tournament. He was averaging just over 10 points a game for the season, and his tournament run he was averaging just under 16. So he really elevated his game. PBC.
1: Arkansas really just had the athletes to outlast them. They could really match up with them on the end. And, you know, that Oral Roberts team, man, is tough. Really? Um, they they were a special group of t- uh, guys. Uh, just not um, talented enough, I thought, in the end. But, uh, man, that Arkansas team, I, I think I was more impressed by Oral Roberts, even though Arkansas won. Um, I expect that from an SEC team, highly athletic um, get to the basket uh they're not the best shooting conference but uh you expect them to put points up and be able to press and get turnovers and
0: you know everybody loves a good Cinderella story and uh, ORU's run ended there going into the next game Florida State the number four seed taking on the number one seed Michigan and we got to admit PBC uh you know you're talking about guard play and Michigan didn't really need too much guard play in this game uh For Florida State, Balsa Caprica had seven points in the first half. Scotty Barnes off the bench with six. Michigan had Brandon Jones, Jr., who had eight points and five rebounds in the first half. The Knowles had zero first-half threes. They did not hit a three. We were all thinking that uh, we all – I think most of us had Florida State getting this upset we were all concerned about Isaiah Livers being out, but uh, Smith for uh, Michigan did a good job of distributing, and Florida State got that upset. No. He beat – no, you're right. <laughs> he said that's twice ah, – Michigan. Michigan won that. Yeah, yeah. Michigan
1: won that. And it, it, it wasn't close. Nope. It, it, they They both in the first half played particularly slow and shot at particularly low percentage, but like – Florida State looked like they were never there. There was literally possessions in the second half where they passed the ball ten times on the perimeter and never even dumped it inside, literally passed it around the perimeter the whole ten passes like this.
0: And, and Hunter Dickinson and uh, Franz Wagner, they both had some very good games this weekend for Michigan. So we go on, and I'm going to talk about number eleven seed Cuse, the Syracuse Orange, and the number two seed Houston Cougars. Uh, Marcus Sasser, Quentin Grimes, and Mark for the Cougars all were explosive in the first eight minutes of this game. Cuse tied the game at twenty. Sasser continued to own the first half for the Cougars. Bryson Grisham had an alley oop dunk with under a minute to go in the half. And uh, the Cougars were up by nine at the half, 30-21 to 21 Houston. Cuse Orange never led after that. They uh, only scored three points in the last four minutes and 43 seconds of the game. That is not very good. Final, Houston 62 and Cuse 46. They, uh, they really... Uh, How
1: many points did you say they scored in that fourth?
0: With it, they Did that last three minutes? They only scored three points in the last four minutes and forty and 34 seconds.
1: Yeah, you, you, you're you not going to close out many games like that, man. I mean, even if you're up by 20 and you scored three points the last four minutes, you might win the game. You might win the game.
0: Gorham had 13. Sasser had 12. Grimes had 14 for the Cougars. Bayheim and Joe Girard led Cuse with 12 points in the loss. We're going to go to break because next I'm going to talk about what I think was the biggest game in the dance so far. It was an incredible matchup, and I'm going to leave it as a surprise if you don't know. You're watching On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast here on the Score On Air Network
2: you have design ideas for t-shirts but you're not sure where to go? Go to Mojo Sports Gear. That's right, Mojo Sports Gear. At Mojo Sports Gear, you can get custom-made shirts. Whatever design you need, Mojo Sports Gear can provide it. Don't forget to grab a custom-made cap on your way out and lock the best headgear in the game. Give them a call at 614-864-6656. That's 614-864-6656. Have design ideas for t-shirts but you're not sure where to go go to mojo sports gear that's right mojo sports gear at mojo sports gear you can get custom made shirts whatever design you need mojo sports gear can provide it don't forget to grab a custom made cap on your way out and rock the best headgear in the game give them a call at 614-864-6656 that's 614-864-6656
3: In sports, you want to have a player that can get the job done right every time, a real all-star, somebody that's dependable and you can turn to when the game is tough. That player in the audio-video industry is the theater. From setting up your home's Wi-Fi network and offices' conference rooms, to setting up home theater inside or outside, to setting up the systems to make your home run smarter and safer as well, the theater people can do it all with the quality of professionalism you can expect every single time. That isn't just a great all-around player, that is an all-star. That is why we are the leaders in audiovisual installation in Central Ohio. So call us at 614-604-6327. Or check out our website at ttpcolumbus.com to figure out which products will fit you. And don't forget, amplify your personality with the theater.
0: Welcome back to On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. This is our Sweet 16 and Elite 8 show leading into the Final Four this coming weekend. And now I'm going to go in-depth and in-detail in one of the most exciting games that I saw all year. The best team that Mick Cronin has ever had in the number 11 seed UCLA Bruins going up against the number 2 seed Alabama Crimson Tide. Bama was down early, 7-1, but then went on a 14-0 run. They go up 15-7. Sophomore Javon Quiverly, the Villanova transfer, didn't start, but came in and scored six points before the 10-minute, 34-second mark. He had 10 points in the half. UCLA's Johnny Jizung was big in the first with 11 points. He had a nasty step-back three-pointer with one minute and 19 seconds remaining in the half. The Bruins shot well from behind the arc. Jules Bernard was 4-5, and junior David Singleton was 2-for-2, so the Bruins were red hot from three in that first half. Going into the second, the Tide go on to an 11-0 run to tie the game at the start of the second half. The Bruins return the favor with a 9-2 run of their own before Javon Quiverly ends it with a slashing layup for the Crimson Tide. This leads the Tide to a 9-0 run to finally take the lead. Bruins sophomore guard Jamie Jacquez Jr. responds with an aggressive post move to retie the game at 51, going into a commercial break. A few uh, free throws and baskets are exchanged. Riley finally gets involved, and he has a put-back dunk. Two more baskets and still tied at 58 with four minutes left two more uh baskets and a more, and it's still tied at 60 with 2:26 left. They go to commercial. Down the stretch we come. J- Javong fouls out. One of their one of the Bruins star players fouls out of the game. Herb Jones of Bama hits a free throw to take the lead. There was a wild call during the game where the ball went off of one of the Bruins' foot, but yeah, did you see this PBC?
1: I did see this. This
0: this was a uh, uh, man very close. This ball went off of the Bruins' foot, and they had to watch that replay over and over. And I'm, I'm still not sure that they had the best angle on it, but it did graze the uh, the Bama Crimson Tide players' uh, shorts. Yeah,
1: it, I, it got that, kicked,
0: and it was it was what we call a nutmeg, where see, it goes in between their legs. I didn't like it either. Because,
1: it it I, didn't, I, didn't touch you. It did it it like, I mean, and it it didn't touch you that, though. That guy's short. Like, and, and the shorts are not you. Like, that's a that's that's a call that you physically have to touch the ball with a hand, elbow, a knee. Like,
0: and you know, it's this, it's it's the referee's call, but it's it, it's kind of uh, where things could have changed a little bit there, man. That could have could have been part of what change the complex of the game. All right. So uh, that was uh, that, that. defender's name was John Petty Jr., who got the, the ball called out on him. Bruins ball with 154 to play. Two meaningless possessions. Bruins go down. They are down 61-60 with the ball with one minute left. The Tide had uh, 24 points off the bench. Their, uh, their bench played very well. There was a foul on Jawan Gary, who fouls out of the game with eight points before Jaquez hits a free throw. Jaquez plays for the Bruins, and uh, Gary, I believe, obviously, he's the the guy that was fouled. fouled. It was tied up. The game was tied. Uh, Jaquez fouls with 36 seconds left. Herb Jones hits one free throw, and the are up 62-61. Timeout UCLA with just under 30 seconds left. 24 on the shot clock. Riley scores. UCLA up 63-62 with 15 seconds left. It must be the shoes, or is it? Jones attacks the basket and is fouled by Jaquez. He misses both free throws. Bama fouls. David Singleton hits both free throws, and UCLA is up 65-62 65-62 with 4.2 left. The game's over, right, PBC? You would the game, think. The game is over. 4.2 seconds left. UCLA up. And uh, Quinterly, who was the hero for Bama throughout this game, comes down the court and uh, gives the ball to Alex Reed, who buries a three to send the, the uh, game into overtime. PBC, my dad made a real uh, good uh I think people were talking about it too, but dad was the one that pointed it out right away. Um, So UCLA's up three, right? Correct. Quinterly's got the ball, bringing it up the court. They had a timeout before this. Don't you think that Cronin and UCLA would make the foul on the guy on the inbounds and make him shoot (laughs)
1: too? Listen, I I hear what everyone says about that. Let me tell you something. We all prepare for it. And, uh, what, 4.2 seconds left? If I see a guy coming at me, I'm going to throw this ball up at the rim. And I'm shooting three free throws. Yeah, but I mean, if,
0: but if it's, if it's on the other side
1: of the court. It doesn't does matter. Okay. I mean, I'm taking a shot, right? Yeah. You're coming to foul me, and I'll jack this I, ball up, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: hey. I've heard, I've heard, uh, I've heard that argument as
1: well. I'm, take, I'm going to do that. Like, this is 4.2. You're coming at me with a hack. If I have to try to volleyball it up with my left hand, I'm going to try to get this shot off to make it attempt to see that it's a I'm in a shooting motion.
0: It didn't happen. Quinterly brought the ball up the court, and got it to Reese. You, you could tell that when the ball left Reese's hand, he knew it was going in, and we go into overtime. UCLA opens up overtime with a David Singleton three. On the other end, Tigger, don't call me Bob Marley Campbell, gets a steal that he converts for two on the other end. Three minutes left, UCLA up by five. Singleton with another jumper, Bruins by seven. Quinterly fights back. Quinterly, is, he's hes a really good player, this Javon Quinterly guy. He fights back with a three of his own, and uh, then the Bruins score. They just couldn't catch up. Herb Jones gets a put back off Quinterly's miss, but the Bruins just kept hitting shots. They hit a three and were up by seven. They hit two free throws and were up by nine. Winterly attacks the basket and cuts it to seven. It just wasn't enough. Final score 88 78, Bruins. Again, this is Mick Cronin's best team ever. Anything else you want to say on that?
1: Congratulations, UCLA. They got it done in crunch time. Bama um, didn't.
0: Last game of the Sweet 16 round was number seven Oregon versus number six USC in a Pac 12 battle. They only uh, played one time during the season as one of the games was postponed and never replayed. That head-to-head matchup was 72-58 Trojans. UCLA pounded the ball into the paint and added a very balanced scoring attack with five threes at just under 56% from behind the arc in the first half. The Trojans were led by Isaiah White and Taj Eady, who both had 12 points in the first half. Oregon answered with Chris Durant with nine points and Eugene Amarie, who had ten. This game was tough for me to follow as the Ducks as two of the Ducks starters and transfers, I'm very happy and I was really excited about Oregon. It was my first time getting to see them play. They've got a couple transfers I like uh, and Eric Williams Jr., who uh, I've seen play uh, for Duquesne on several occasions. I saw him play Five times in Pittsburgh when I was living there, uh, and they also have a guy from the St. John's Reg Storm in L.J. Figuera. So, uh, yep, two leading rebounders of the first half those guys. The Ducks led until the 10-43 mark of the first, and then the Trojans never looked back. Really no point in going on to the second half. Trojans win this one. PBC, the last game of the Sweet 16. Anything to say about the Ducks and Trojans? Nah. Okay, that's good enough. We'll move on. We've got a couple more. We're going to talk now about the Elite Eight games, the four Elite Eight games that we've got going on, starting with the number 12 Oregon State Ducks and the number two Houston Cougars. Slow start, Marcus Sasser. This guy's been tough. Uh, Throughout the tournament, he led the team in scoring in the first 12 minutes with nine points. Beavers reserve Mario Callow had half of OSU's points in that same uh, 12-minute frame. He had five in those first 12 minutes. Houston doubled the Oregon score by the half. At halftime, it was 34-17. Sasser and Callow continued to be the leaders for both of their respective teams. Beavers stormed back to tie the game at 55 with 3.48 to play. And that was pretty much the end of the story. OSU never led after that. Houston took control down the stretch, and the Cougars win 67-61. Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougars move on to the Final Four. PBC, what do you think about the Cougars? They've only and or three, which is all which is all they've had. And they're
1: proving us
0: they're proving wrong. No one them up, Callow had 13 points and five rebounds. Ethan Thompson had eleven points, seven rebounds, and six assists in the losing effort for Oregon State. Marcus Sasser with twenty point points. Quentin Grimes with 18 points, and Justin Gorham had six points and 10 rebounds for the Cougars in this game. Moving on to another very exciting game, at least for a while. Number three Arkansas Razorbacks versus the number one seed Baylor Bears. Mm. Hogs went on an 8 0 run with under 10 minutes left in that first half to cut that lead to four. Baylor, um, they were. Uh, up sixty nine sixty, Jalen answered with a free throw. Uh, Teague, the guy from Cincinnati, he uh, hit. He kept hitting shots, man. And uh, yeah, the the Bears won that game, 81-72. one seventy two. I'll say that uh, you know, um, PBC pretty much covered it a minute ago. The Hogs were very balanced. They were very ba- because of how athletic they are. Five of the seven players. They only played seven guys in that
1: game.
0: Five of those seven, five of those seven guys had double figures, and the sixth guy had eight points.
1: You couldn't play anymore. You, and what I'm gonna say is Baylor got on the hogs so early that it shortened the rotation to your best players. They were the hogs were clawing themselves back into the game the whole way. Like, they they were never at a point in time where they could get comfortable. Like, they were down, I want to say 17 or so early. Yeah, you're right. And then they cut it to, like, six. And I was yeah. like, holy smokes. And then they, by the half, it was up by, like, nine or ten. But Baylor was playing – they were, Baylor was playing with fire because they were up big, and the Hogs kept fighting. And had they got just a little bit of momentum, they could have got over that hump.
0: And I'll tell you what, the Hogs, they had that sixth guy that had eight points. There were only six contributors because the seventh guy off the bench there, he didn't score a point. Mm. So uh, Baylor got that game. We got two more games to talk about before we uh, talk about, uh, converse about what we think the Final Four is going to be like. Number six, USC Trojans versus number one, Gonzaga. The game starts off with a 7-0 run by the Zags. With 15.44 left, there was an interesting development as one of the referees went down. They said he was feeling lightheaded. We were trying to look for a replay and never saw it, but he never was touched by a player. We thought that he might have got hit to the player, by a player and got knocked to the floor. This referee was, he was feeling faint, and he collapsed and hit his head on the court they had to bring a stretcher out and take him out and then bring in a uh, referee that was on standby drew t- drew ti- uh drew timmy he was an animal in the first half timmy. In, those, in those first <laughs> timmy <laughs> <laughs> those first eight and a half minutes he had 13 of the zags 23 points in that time frame Timmy hit Kispert with a nice backdoor pass around six uh, minutes left in the half. He uh, the Trojans hit two threes in a layup in one minute, and those threes were from Taj Edie and Isaiah Mobley, one of the two Mobley brothers. Timmy could not be stopped. The Zags D was smothering, mm-hmm. smothering. <laughs> the, the the I mean. And I'll tell you what, this is my first time mm-hmm. seeing the Zags. And I know how and I know how much you like Baylor and we, and you were talking about them being the overall number 1 seed. I've seen Baylor play 5 times. Yeah, man. I think if they go head to head, they will
1: get smacked. They will get smacked like.
0: this, I'll say I said it before, I'll say it again. This Gonzaga team is very balanced and very very they're, they're very balanced and they're very uh, well coached. Can, can I just say
1: something? You can um, say whatever uh, you want. This is—I want to apologize to Gonzaga University and their basketball program. I was very disrespectful. Um, looking we at no, looking we at them know. as if they were still the mid-major Cinderella, and no. clearly, no. clearly, they are a heavily power recruited. They also have another top ten player coming in this year. Another mcdonald's all america coming in so clearly this is turning into a from a cinderella to a basketball powerhouse
0: yeah that, that, um, that recruit coming in his name is hunter salas yeah so,
1: uh you know what gonzaga when we get to the final four they can play very very different styles of basketball
0: suggs in this game mm,
1: mm,
0: had 13 mm. points six rebounds and five assists alone in the first half. You think he's coming back? No.
1: <laughs> I mean, anybody does. Just think if he does come back, oh, man. Back to back. Listen, probably. Well, see. Oh, maybe. We'll maybe. See. You know, we'll injuries see. and stuff like that, you never know.
0: Second half, Evan Mobley gets it started for the Trojans with the first basket. John Stockton. Stockton was in the house. He was up there watching his Zags play. Timmy with a dirty dunk at the 18-minute uh, mark, and nothing went USC's way in this. There was a, a nice oop with three and a half minutes left called a charge, and uh, they were never in it. Uh, final 85-66 Zags.
1: I mean and from the opening jump I mean it was 10 25 to go and it was an 11 point game like they got up on them the the to the twin tower brothers from USC
0: were, and, and so they were up it was 11
1: yeah it, it it was 11 i had looked over and it I know was 10 it was 15
0: it was they were uh, zags were up 15 at the half yeah. so they cut in for- a little bit, but it just wasn't enough. And
1: I mean hey, once they got up, they just start pummeling them, so
0: we've got one more game in the Elite Eight round to talk about before we go to break, and it's number eleven UCLA versus number one Michigan. This continues to be Cronin's best team. Slow start, Dickinson dunks to put UM up six four with fourteen minutes left. Hunter Dickinson hit another shot a minute later, and UM is up eight to four at the 12 minute mark going into the timeout. Sean Brown hits a th- hit the first three of the game for Michigan at the 10:48 mark. Johnny Jizang, who'd been a, who's been the star for UCLA all weekend long, got hot for UCLA with 8 points in under 2 minutes. 15-12 Michigan, 7:38 left in the first half. Jazang continued to be the leader for the Bruins. After, a, a, after the break, and uh, they cut the lead to one, twice. Michigan went on to a nearly a four-minute scoring drought, mm. and UCLA took control and led at the half 27-23. In the second half, UCLA continued to stretch the lead to 34-25, and uh, Dickinson fought back with two baskets during the 16-minute mark. Down 34-29 with 13-21 left. Eli Brooks cut the lead to one off of two layups. The game stayed close with it being 44-43. UCLA led with six minutes to go. Tigger Campbell had a layup right before Brown hit a three. UCLA was up one with 45 seconds to play. Michigan with the ball with 19 seconds left. Franz Wagner, who's been played very well in the tournament, missed a three, and Michigan was forced to foul. Close game, one of the closest games that we've talked about here today. Final 51-49 UCLA. Anything to say before we go to the break? PBC. <laughs> Just
1: exactly when I was about to get on the Big Ten for being such a great having a great run at it 49 points michigan yeah are you kidding me that's what i got to say about that
0: all right folks hope you've been enjoying the show we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen this weekend in the final four as we bring in the mind of the master in guru vision coming up next on the mark
3: in sports you want to have a player that can get the job done right every time A real all-star, somebody that's dependable and you can turn to when the game is tough. That player in the audio-video industry is the theater people. From setting up your home's Wi-Fi network and offices, conference rooms, to setting up home theater inside or outside, to setting up the systems to make your home run smarter and safer as well, the theater people can do it all with the quality of professionalism you can expect every single time. That isn't just a great all-around player, that is an all-star. That is why we are the leaders in audiovisual installation in Central Ohio. So call us at 614-604-6327 or check out our website at ttpcolumbus.com to figure out which products will fit you. And don't forget, amplify your personality with the theater.
2: Do you have design ideas for t-shirts where you're not sure where to go? Go to Mojo Sports Gear. That's right, Mojo Sports Gear. And Mojo Sports Gear, you can get custom-made shirts. Whatever design you need, Mojo Sports Gear can provide it. Don't forget to grab a custom-made cap on your way out and lock the best headgear in the game. Give them a call at 614-864-6656.
0: That's 614-864-6656. Welcome back to On the Mark with Mark Fages. It's my college basketball podcast. Hope you're enjoying the show doing our March Madness Breakdown. We're going to have one more show next week after the National Championship. Make sure you tune in for that at 2 o'clock next week. Right now, we're going to finish off the show by talking about what we know here now. We know who the Final Four is, and uh, we're going to kind of talk about what we think's going to happen this weekend. Going to bring in the man from Danville, Kentucky, Will Turpin. You there, Will? What's going on, guru?
4: what's going on mark you ready for some final four action
0: yeah i'm ready how about you i'm pumped
4: absolutely
0: so brother uh you know you've gotten to listen to all this i gave you all the details uh anything you want to uh go ahead and elaborate on as we go into the final four really i mean
4: coming into this tournament we'd heard a lot of talk about modern basketball uh don't settle for long twos and uh Jack up quick shots and the narrative is these teams that are still left are all playing some of the best defense, uh, in the
0: country. And I think that's why they're here. Yeah. Um, so there's a Cinderella, I mean, uh, still alive. My dad's not excited about it. I'm sure that you and uh, PBC are not excited about UCLA being in the final four because, uh, dad doesn't want to see UCLA get another national championship. You guys are Kentucky fans, uh, what do you think about uh, Jizong and Jaquez and their chances against the number one team in the country?
4: All right. Well, as far as Johnny Juzang goes, it, it's been bittersweet because he was one of my favorite young players on Kentucky's team last year. At La, if it hadn't been for COVID, so once the uh, once everything got shut down, because that's where he's from, he just lives right up the street. <clears throat> and uh, from UCLA and basically once everything got shut down last year he went home and then of course COVID started ramping up and then uh, you know he just didn't he just wanted to stay home so it was really more of a decision just to be close to home because of COVID being the way it was and being close to family and you can see what a difference that's made for UCLA and Kentucky because we weren't very good.
0: Look, we got we got two PBCs, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we got two PBCs. Hey, uh, hey, Will, I want to ask you. How do you feel about this whole transfer thing? There, uh, you know, it, um, a lot of teams are, a lot of fan bases are upset about this transfer stuff going on, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, they don't have to sit out a year, and uh, they shouldn't be upset because I, I've seen the stat that um, for all Division One teams right now, they're averaging two point five transfers per. Uh, per program, what do you think about this transfer thing going on? And uh, you know, some of these guys are going to get a fifth year, which has never been uh, never been done before.
4: Yeah, uh, at first, uh, you know, when I first heard about it, I, I'm sort of an old school guy, so I really didn't like it because you basically are recruiting players off of other people's rosters. I mean, you're, I mean, it it's makes it very difficult as a coach. But then. You know, when you see something like what we heard the other day, the president at Abilene Christian comes out. You know, they won one game in the NCAA tournament, and it made their university $120 million. That's,
0: uh, that's so, significant. So, you know, when you look
4: at the kind of money, you know, when you look at the kind of money that these schools in this tournament is making, and the, just college basketball in general, uh, is it too much to really ask to let the kids just play where they want to play? I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I can argue both sides of it.
0: I I get worried. I kind of worry about it for the state of college basketball because it's almost just like free agency.
4: Yeah, it is. But at the same time, you know, you know, a player decides to go to a college, and then you know, a coach gets a bigger or better job, and then all of a sudden they can just jump to that better job. (laughs) College basketball is already in a bad state just because of the fact that they allow players to come and play one year and then leave I almost feel like they'd be better off to just let the players that don't want to go to college go ahead and just skip uh, the, the college route altogether and I think that would actually be healthier for the game if you had a uh, two-year minimum if you went but like I said this thing's been argued for since you know for the last 10 to 20 years really I don't know what the answer is.
0: OK, before we talk about the three games that are going on this weekend, the last thing I want to ask you about is how you feel about getting those two transfers, Grady and Oscar from uh, West Virginia and Davidson coming in. That's really going to help Kentucky have some senior leadership to uh, take those freshmen and sophomores under their wing.
4: Yeah, I mean, it is that that's going to make a big difference. But at the same time, really, we just got caught last year uh, in a scenario where we just didn't manage the roster, uh, you know, by having Hagens leave early. But, yeah, I mean, getting a couple of veterans. We've done that, though, the last two or three years. We've been bringing in players, fourth- and fifth-year guys. Uh, Now, this year, the two that we got, you know, obviously uh, Oscar played there at West Virginia. I mean, he looked really dominant uh, last year. But then when this season started, he – he really looked like he was tuned out. So it just depends on which Oscar you get. If you get the one that's going to work and that's hungry, you know. And and that's really what this whole college basketball is about. You see Shaka Smart, you know, going back to Marquette, because, you know, he, he, he's tired of coaching five stars that don't want to work and just come to go to the NBA and know you can go to class. He wants to go up there where he get guys like he's at at VCU, freaking motivating. Yeah. It's two and three stars, yeah. stars that are told they weren't there. That, And, uh, you know, you know that's, that's really what it boils down to, to is having a wind of those two and three, three stars, stars that you can, can motivate and then and some five, stars five stars that actually want to work, work hard. hard. And that's what that's
2: Gonzaga's good.
0: master. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It makes me think about Jay Wright at Nova, how he uh, he uses three and four star guys and doesn't always take a whole lot of five star guys. PBC, before we talk about the three games here this weekend, is there anything you want to pick the brain of the guru at uh, –
1: uh, no, you guys are uh, covering everything pretty good. I'm trying to handle these producers.
0: Well, that's good. I'll, well, I'll, I'll, over here. I'll let you handle the producer role then. Uh, okay, Will. Um, so we've got UCLA and Gonzaga. Um, man, I, I don't see UCLA winning, but uh, I have to give props to the Bruins. I think that uh, Cronin, this is his best team ever. Uh, you can talk about Murray State. You can talk about the Sweet 16 team at the University of Cincinnati, but uh, this is clearly his best team. Uh, What would UCLA have to do to try to slow down the Zags, and is there any way that you could see the Bruins, an 11 seed, the first first play-in team to make the Final Four? How do you feel about this?
4: Well, you can already see that, you know, they have a recipe on how to win these games and it it starts on the defensive end. Obviously, Juzang has been so, you know, dominant on offense, but uh, UCLA to have any chance, they're going to have to uh, play out of their mind defensively like they have the whole tournament. But then on the on the flip side. They're going to have to be diverse, and, and so far they've shown it. I mean, they've, they've won games in the 50s, and they won games scoring in the 80s. So they're just going to have to continue to do what they've done, and that's how they've got it. I don't see them beating Gonzaga either. Uh, <clears throat> but, but if they, if they are to they win, they're just going to have to – what it's going to take is a couple of guys to step up and knock down some, some long-range shots, and they may be able to stay, will stay will in it. Win it win but I don't win expect win. it.
0: Okay, so that moves us over to the other side of the bracket with the number two seed Houston Cougars going up against the number one seed Baylor Bears. Um, you know, uh, the thing that I would think about with Houston is they've got three losses, and all those losses were conference losses. And uh, you know, I I don't see a, a loss to Wichita, who he, they made the play-in game, they didn't get out of that. But uh, I don't think that the the Wichita loss is a bad loss, but the rest of the conference, unless that was Memphis that they lost to, uh, I, don't, I don't. I'm not impressed with the American Conference, and uh, I really don't expect Houston to win. But uh, Marcus Sasser is playing his best ball, and Quentin Grimes is always dangerous. Um, how do you feel about those guys matching up with Makio Teagues and Jared Butler over at Baylor?
4: Yeah, that uh, Dijon Giroux though. I mean, he's he's locking down on people on the defensive end so I mean Houston can really guard and you know we, we know Baylor we, we we actually just sort of this whole season just sort of skipped over Baylor and Gonzaga and just said okay these are the two best teams let's just try to figure out who three through 25 is and so it should be Baylor and it should be Gonzaga and it, you know but at the same time Houston says we got something to say about that first and yes. I expect him uh in the first half To uh, I expect it to just be a fistfight. Two really, really good defensive teams. And um, I would expect at some point Baylor will uh, have one little run in them, somewhere in the second half, that will separate them by eight or ten points. And that will probably be how the game will go. That would be my prognostication. But like I said, Houston, they're sort of in the same boat as uh, UCLA. They just got to find two or three guys that can just come up and hit some huge threes and keep them in the game.
0: Yeah, I think that that, – I think that Houston and Baylor is going to be a much closer game than UCLA and Gonzaga and as you were alluding to and the whole world wants to see it this collision course between the Baylor Bears and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Hopefully that's what we that's what we all want to see. That's what the world wants to see right now. There was a, they were supposed to play during the regular season. That game didn't happen because of the COVID. So hopefully They, uh, destiny proves to be in favor of the fans and, uh, I'm, I've seen Baylor play a few times, only saw Gonzaga for the first time last night. I just feel like that I'm going to say balanced and disciplined is Gonzaga and, uh, I think that uh, we've seen Baylor lose a couple games down the stretch. PBC made a good point during the end of the regular season talking about maybe Baylor was kind of over this year, you know, and ready to dance. But uh, now there's no choice but to uh, win or die. So uh, what do you got going on in the national championship game, sir?
4: Well, assuming we have Baylor and Gonzaga, like like I agree, I hope we have that you know, it really just, it's starting to become a scenario where, uh, Jalen Suggs is way better even now than he was early in the year. And like, he's doing it all. I mean, not just getting the, the points that they need him to get the 12, 15 points. He can get 20, 25 if they need him, but they don't need him, but he's great. just He's running that floor and, uh, making great passes constantly. Yes. Uh, Tremend- tremendous, tremendous really setting everybody up. He's, he's a rebounding guard. He just does everything. And then obviously, yes. uh, Uh, With Baylor, you've got, um, you know, Davion Mitchell, Jarrett Butler, the T-Kid. I mean, those guys are all capable of getting 20 every night. So, I mean, that's the game that you want to see. I actually think that Baylor can – beat gonzaga uh and and not even have to play their a game to do it I, I really do i think at the same time i think gonzaga can beat baylor without playing their a game too because both of them are equally as good on the defensive end too that's why this is a theme all these teams that have gotten to the elite eight just about all of them could guard you know that's how Oregon state got there
0: yeah and you're talking about Suggs, man he is just a, an incredible distributor man the guy is uh He's he he does not play like a freshman, and it's a wonder about uh, how many of uh, how many of the uh, Zags are going to stick around for next year. I'm not sure how, what their classes are. I know that Suggs is only a freshman, so uh, here we are. We're we're going to end this program, guys. Uh, who do you got have winning the national championship? PBC, Gonzaga, and Will. It's so hard to go against Gonzaga. <laughs> I agree. Folks, that up there is the guru. This over here is the miracle man, my guy, the PBC, Todd McClendon. I'm Mark Fages. You've been watching On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. Make sure you tune in next week at 2, right here Wednesday at 2, for our final show of the year, the wrap-up of NCAA March Madness. Hope to see you soon. Here on the Score On Air Network.
2: Do you have design ideas for t-shirts but you're not sure where to go? Go to Mojo Sports Gear. That's right, Mojo Sports Gear. At Mojo Sports Gear, you can get custom-made shirts. Whatever design you need, Mojo Sports Gear can provide it. Don't forget to grab a custom-made cap on your way out and rock the best headgear in the game. Give them a call at 614-864-6656